See what you're at. There. And he threw down three or four gold pieces on the threshold. You can tell me when I've worked through that, says he, looking as fierce as a commander. And indeed, bad as his clothes were and costly as he spoke, he'd none of the appearance of a man who sailed before the mast, but seemed like a mate or a skipper, accustomed to be obeyed or to strike. The man who came with the barrow told us the mail had set him down that morning before at the Royal George, that he'd inquired what inns there were along the coast, and hearing ours well spoken of, I suppose, and described as lonely, had chosen it from the others for his place of residence, and that was all we could learn of our guest. He was a very silent man by custom. All day he hung about the cove or upon the cliffs with a brass telescope. All evening he sat in the corner of the parlour next the fire and drank rum and water very strong. Mostly he wouldn't speak when spoken to, only look up sudden and fierce and blow through his nose like a foghorn. And we and the people who came about our house soon learned to let him be. Every day when he came back from his stroll he'd ask if any seafaring men had gone by along the road. First we thought it was the want of company of his own kind that made him ask this question, but at last we began to see he was desirous to avoid them. When a seaman put up at the Admiral Benbow, as now and then some did, making by the coast row for Bristol, he'd look in at him through the curtain door before he entered the parlour, and it was always sure to be as silent as a mouse when any such was present. For me, at least, there was no secret about the matter, for I was, in a way, a sharer of his alarms. He'd taken me aside one day, and promised me a silver fourpenny on the first of every month, if I would only keep my weather eye open for a seafaring man with one leg, and let him know the moment he appeared. Often enough, when the first of the month came round and I applied to him for my wage, He'd only blow through his nose at me and stare me down, but before the week was out he was sure to think better on it and bring me my fourpenny piece and repeat his orders to look out for the seafaring man with one leg. How that personage haunted my dreams I, I need scarcely tell you. On stormy nights when the, the wind shook the four corners of the house and the surf roared along the cove and up the cliffs, I'd see him in a thousand forms, with a thousand diabolical expressions. Now the leg would be cut off at the knee, now at the hip. Now he was a monstrous kind of creature who'd never had but one leg, and that in the middle of his body. To see him leap and run and pursue me over hedge and ditch was the worst of nightmares. Altogether, I paid pretty dear for my monthly fourpenny piece in the shape of those abominable fancies. But though I was so terrified by the idea of the seafaring man with one leg, I was far less afraid of the captain himself than anybody else who knew him. There were nights when he took a deal more rum and water than his head would carry, and then he'd sometimes sit and sing his wicked old wild sea songs, minding nobody. But sometimes he'd call for glasses round and force all the trembling company to listen to his stories or bear a chorus to his singing. Often I've heard the house shaking with yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum, all the neighbours joining in for dear life, with a fear of death upon them, and each singing louder than the other to avoid remark. 
Grenier's fits, he was the most overriding companion ever known. He'd slap his hand on the table for silence all round. He'd fly up in a passion of anger at a question, or sometimes because none was put, and so he judged the, the company wasn't following his story. Nor would he allow anyone to leave the inn till he'd drunk himself sleepy and reeled off to bed. His stories were what frightened people worst of all. Dreadful stories they were about hanging and walking the planks and storms at sea, and the dry tortugas and wild deeds and places on the Spanish main. By his own account he must have lived his life among some of the wickedest men that God ever allowed upon the sea, and the language in which he told these stories shocked our plain country folk almost as much as the crimes that he described. My father was always saying the inn would be ruined, for people would soon cease coming there to be tyrannised over and put down and sent shivering to their...